Welcome to Digital Transformers, the show that connects you with what you need to build, manage, and operate your digital supply chain. Join your host in a timely discussion on new and future business models with industry-leading executives. The show will reveal global customer expectations, real-world deployment challenges, and the value of advanced business technologies like artificial intelligence, blockchain, and robotic process engineering. And now, we bring you Digital Transformers. Hello, everyone. This is Kevin L. Jackson, and welcome to Digital Transformers on Supply Chain Now. Today is also an exciting one for Digital Transformers because we are highlighting one of our newest sponsors, AT&T Business. And we have the opportunity to speak about cybersecurity. You know how interested and how much that's important to me. It's a critical aspect of any business. With, and we're going to be talking to one of the leading experts in the field, Teresa Lenowitz of AT&T Cybersecurity. She is the head of evangelism. So welcome to the show, Teresa. Thanks very much, Kevin. And hi, everybody. Thanks for listening to us today. Oh, no, I'm, I'm sure they are sitting at the edge of their seats. So, but where are you physically today? Where are you coming from today? So physically, I am coming to you from Bellingham, Washington. It's about 100 miles north of Seattle, and it's in the Pacific Northwest, the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Oh, yeah, I've traveled there. In fact, my son, my eldest son, lives just south of Seattle in, in Kent and mad at him because he moved there with his wife and my two grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> so it takes forever for me. We, we were getting there about every year or so and, until the pandemic hit. So now I'm, uh, yeah. I'm ready to, you know, get in that plane and uh, go grab my grandkids. Yeah, and do it in the summer because there, you know, the Pacific Northwest has a reputation for a lot of overcast days, a lot of rain. But there is nothing like the summer in the Pacific Northwest. It stays light until almost 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> yeah. uh, you pay for that in the winter because it stays light until only four o'clock in the afternoon in the winter. <laughs> but during the summer, there is nothing like the Pacific Northwest. It is absolutely stunning, absolutely beautiful. So when you come visit, maybe we can get together. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. But how did you get to AT&T? What is your... your... What can you share with us a, a bit of your background? I understand you were at Gartner for a while too. Yeah, I, I worked at Gartner for a long time as an analyst. I started my career, I went to the University of Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And I started my career with McDonnell Douglas in Long Beach, California, working on the C-17 military transport plane. So I was a software developer there. And um, the C-17, for your audience members that don't know about the C-17, it's a cargo plane, a transport plane, and it moves supplies from one place to another. And it is a massive plane um, and does, just does a lot of exceptional work around the world. So I started as a software developer there. And I then moved on to Borland International. If we have any developers, any database mm. professionals out there, They'll remember Borland. Borland made, of course, C++, Delphi, JBuilder. I was the um, I was a systems engineer for a while for Paradox for Windows, and I was also the product manager for Borland C++, a C++ development environment. 
and JBuilder, which was the first Java development environment that was actually released into the market. And I went on from Borland and I worked at Sun Microsystems. And at Sun Microsystems, I worked on the Genie project. It's spelled mm-hmm. J-I-N-I, but pronounced like the woman's name, Genie. And Genie was really interesting. Now you have to remember, this is back in 1999 or so. Genie was sort of a follow-on to what Sun Microsystems had done with Java. So mm-hmm. with Java, the idea was write once, run anywhere. And with Genie, some microsystems had this idea of saying, let's build out these personal area networks mm. and we can connect everything to the internet. We can connect watches, cars, household appliances. We can connect everything to the network. So this was 1999. So that idea is now, of course, the Internet of Things, and everybody yeah. understands it, and everybody, you know, really looks forward to what the Internet of Things is going to bring. But you know, the idea of the Internet of Things has been going on for a long, long time. And then from Sun Microsystems, I, I went to Gartner, and at Gartner, I I was the primary analyst for software quality assurance and working on the application lifecycle management type of team at Gartner. And I started writing a lot about and covering a lot about software quality. And coming around in 2002, 2003 or so, was this concept of application security. Uh, Security started to become a major, major thing, especially from the development side. So I started working on application security back in 2002, 2003, when I was at Gartner, and I've been working with security ever since. And so I have that that development background, quality assurance background, and you know I like to see how security is now moving. So the developers are definitely now building with a security first mindset, leading with that security first mindset when they think about developing and so on. And from there, from Gartner, I worked for a small boutique analyst firm called Vote for a while, and we did a mm-hmm. lot of work with service virtualization, a lot of work with uh, continuing quality and application development and security. And then I went to work for AT&T, working on the cybersecurity side of things. Mm, you know, God, your, your software background is, is so impressive. But AT&T is a network company, right? I mean, so why, how did you wind up at 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 AT&T business? (laughs) I mean, if you're doing software all your life, uh, how did that become part of your your path? Yeah, but we're living in a software-defined world. Everything is software-driven now, right? Everything is software-driven. And back in uh, 2018, AT&T made an acquisition of a small company in the cybersecurity space called Alien Vault. And so AT&T had a cybersecurity, has a cybersecurity division where mm-hmm. the cybersecurity side of things actually lives. So AT&T cybersecurity, there are two ways that AT&T cybersecurity can help people. One is through our expert consulting services. So our AT&T cybersecurity consultants, they are amazing. They have incredible backgrounds. They have all the latest certifications and everything that is new out there, they are on the leading edge of doing everything. So that's the first way is through our cybersecurity consulting organization, our AT&T cybersecurity consulting organization. The second is through our AT&T cybersecurity managed security services. So we are a managed security services provider and that works very well. It meshes very well with what we do from the network side. 
So one of the things that we want to do at AT&T for our clients is to help make your network more resilient. You know, everybody's network looks different. Everybody's network is different. But if you have the same company helping you from a managed security services perspective and the same company helping you with your managed network, there's that commonality. There's that single point of contact when you do have an issue. So that's why AT&T was very attractive to me from a cybersecurity point of view. So when you when you think about cybersecurity, I mean, the old way or traditional way of doing cybersecurity is what you know I've always called sort of an infrastructure-centric way of protecting your mm-hmm. network. And that's when companies own their own network. And you would, I call it like wall and moat. You keep all the bad guys all the, off the network. You only uh, approve the good guys to come in. And, um, but that's really not possible today as people are transitioning in, into the cloud and using other people's network. And you don't even know what, what hardware is being used. So has the balance, I guess, between hardware for cybersecurity and software for cybersecurity. Has that changed dramatically here? Yeah, so you bring up a really good point that it was just about protecting that sort of hub and spoke type of network environment that we Mm -hmm. have been used to living with. And now, as you bring up, there are devices everywhere. Your workers are everywhere. Your workers are remote. So that traditional hub and spoke network really no longer works in today's environment. You have to make sure that you're protecting your users. You have to make sure that you're protecting your applications. And you certainly have to make sure that you're protecting your infrastructure. But at the core of all that is the data that you have to to protect. And so that complexity is continuing to grow, especially as we move to things such as edge computing. So an edge computing Kevin says that we're going to take a look at that remote management, that remote network, uh, that remote intelligence that we have out there. So those days of the hub and spoke network are definitely gone. And we start to see things like such as the zero trust framework come in and be extremely important uh, in, in protecting today's infrastructure and protecting today's users and protecting today's applications as well as that data. Well, I can really see why you're the brains behind the uh, recent AT&T <laughs> cybersecurity report. So, so what is your day job there at uh, AT&T? Yeah, so you mentioned the AT&T Cybersecurity Insights Report, and this is an annual report that we put out every single year. We launched it in January of 2022, so January uh-huh. 25th to be exact, January 2022, And this year's report really focuses on securing the edge. And when I first got to AT&T back at the end of 2019, we were working on the Insights Report. AT&T has been publishing the Insights Report uh, since 2015. And with the version 9 report that we launched for our 2019-2020 year, we wanted to find out what enterprise organizations were going to do for cybersecurity as this new thing, and think about it back at the end of 2019, mm-hmm. we knew 5G was coming, but people hadn't yet adopted it. So we wanted to find out what people were going to do inside their enterprise to safeguard and protect their digital assets, their applications, their data, their endpoints, as this new network type was coming in. 
this new network that was more secure than any previous generation of network that had lower latency, higher bandwidth. But what were they going to do to protect and safeguard their digital assets? And that's what we focused on in our version nine of the report. In our version 10 of the report, which was published in 2021, we focused on how organizations still protected and safeguarded those digital assets in a hybrid network format. And now with our 2022 report, what we wanted to focus on is what organizations were doing in terms of the edge. What types of architectures were they using? What types of use cases did they have out there? And then how were they really taking a look at their cybersecurity controls and their network functions? What were they doing? Were they using them on-premise? Were they using them in the cloud? Were they doing a cost-benefit analysis of those traditional cybersecurity controls and saying, maybe we need to continue to use this, maybe we need to throw this one out? So that's a mm-hmm. long answer to your question of what is my day job at at and <laughs> The cybersecurity insights report is certainly a big part of it, but a lot of it is going out speaking speaking with our clients, speaking with our prospects about the cybersecurity insights report, about what we can offer them from an AT&T cybersecurity perspective, how we can help to protect their digital assets and make their networks more resilient. So I do a lot of that. I do a lot of writing. Um, this AT&T Cybersecurity Insights Report is something that's really critical every year to, to the success of, of what we do at AT&T Business. Well, one thing that the, the very first sentence of this report says that edge means different things to, to different people. And, and vendors yeah. are really defining the edge according to their own technology stats. If, if that's true, I mean, how do you do your job? What does it mean to a business executive? And how should they communicate to all these different vendors that are, you know, have different ideas of what edge is? Yeah, such a great point to bring up. And one thing I really want to stress is that this AT&T Cybersecurity Insights Report is vendor neutral. Hmm, So it is not saying here are products from AT&T, here are products from any other vendor. It is vendor neutral and it is really forward looking. And that's one of the things we really pride ourselves on. The research that we do for it is both quantitative as well as qualitative. So from the qualitative side, we bring in subject matter experts from around the cybersecurity world and we interview these cybersecurity Experts, we also bring in experts from the edge, from networking, and we interview these subject matter experts. From the quantitative side, this year we've gone off and we interviewed uh, 1,520 survey participants from around the world. And we surveyed certainly uh, North America, also Latin America, Mm -hmm. EMEA, which includes UK, Ireland, France, and Germany, as well as APAC, which includes um, Australia, India, South Korea, and Singapore. So it truly is a global survey. And we brought in experts who are in cybersecurity, certainly. We brought in IT experts, but we also brought in line of business experts. And this gets back to the question that you're asking about executives being able to communicate about the edge. So one of the things we found in our 2021 report is that 5G is largely being adopted the the adoption is being driven by these line of business executives. So the line of business is saying there's this great new technology out there. 
And the reason they're doing it is they need to remain competitive. So last year, we found that 58% of organizations that were bringing in 5G technology were doing it to remain competitive. And so then you bring up this idea of the edge. And so Mm -hmm. we're poised in this new era of compute, edge computing, underpinned by 5G technologies. And executives are saying, well, what can we do to get to the edge? What can we do to be more competitive? And they probably have a lot of different vendors coming in saying, well, here's what edge means to us. Here's what edge means to us. As you said, you know, that's one of the things we say in the report is that edge means different things to different people. And it's each vendor is really defining it according to their technology stack. And that's okay. What we like to say is that the definition of edge is really in flux. And there are three common characteristics. So first, it's really that distributed model of management, intelligence, and networks. It is certainly software-defined, and we talked about the fact that we're living in a software-defined world right now. Our lives are are dependent, our businesses are dependent upon software. And the third edge characteristic is that your applications, your workloads, everything is being hosted closer to where that data is being consumed and created because it's all about the data. We've moved away from that hub-and-spoke traditional type of network model. So we want to be closer to where we're generating and consuming that data. So when you're talking about the importance of the data, and it seems like this is really all about the business model of how you are leveraging the edge in order to be competitive within your industry vertical. Does that change what the edge is based upon your industry? Sure, I think it will change for every different industry. And that's one of the things that we looked at was um, we surveyed six different vertical markets, Mm. retail, manufacturing, um, finance, U.S. public sector, energy and utilities, and did I say manufacturing? Manufacturing, Manufacturing, finance, manufacturing, retail, finance, uh, U.S. public sector, energy and utilities, and healthcare. Healthcare, healthcare. Um, So we interviewed enough people in each of those vertical markets to be statistically significant for the for the report. And we wanted to know the types of use cases that each of them were working on because edge means different things to different people. And so, for example, healthcare. Right. You know, they said to us, edge means uh, it is remote healthcare. So pop up clinics telemedicine, healthcare at home. And that was largely driven by the pandemic. It's no longer going into the doctor's office. It is having telemedicine visits via some type of collaboration app on your computer. It is, uh, healthcare uh, was stressed early, early on in the pandemic. They had to set up all of these remote testing sites and they had to make sure that they were able to protect uh, personal health information, PHI, protect PII, um, do everything that they could do in a hospital or in a doctor's office in remote locations for testing. So those are some of the use cases that healthcare had. Uh, For example, we see um, edge use cases for retail. They're focused on loss prevention. We see manufacturing. They're very focused on inspection of the manufacturing line. So if something is being passed through on the manufacturing line, using cameras and sensors to identify where a defect may have actually been inserted during the production time. 
So every single one of those vertical markets that we broke out, they're all looking at edge differently as well. And they're saying, here's our use case. Here's what, here's how we want to get to it. Help us get to it. So I, I tell you, this being a supply chain show, one of the findings that really baffled me was table two in, in the report, which indicated that most industry verticals weren't really concerned about cyber attacks on their supply chains. Given all of the talk about the national security threat associated with that very issue, can you give us a little perspective on that data? Are, are people, uh, are they ostriches with their head in the sand? <laughs> yeah, you bring up, and you bring up table two in the report. So for our listening audience, if you download the AT&T Cybersecurity Insights Report, Table two uh, talks about the concerns of attacks. And to me, it is the most interesting piece of data in the entire report because it breaks it out by attack concerns that people have. And then it also breaks it out by those different, those six different vertical industries that we talked about. And so when you look at it, it really is a heat map. And 74% of our survey participants said, yes, we think an attack is likely. And then you can look at it and see by industry vertical, by healthcare, by manufacturing, what are they most concerned about? And everybody is obviously very concerned about ransomware. But you bring up the fact that supply chain was really, really low across yeah. the board. And when we got that back, we too were really surprised because one of the things we heard so much about, especially in 2021, was the importance of the supply chain. And the supply chain is critically important. If you take a look at some of the cyber events that have happened in the history of cybersecurity, so many of them are were because of a, um, a, a weak link in the supply chain, if you will. We know that not one organization is doing everything end-to-end. -end. You have to really secure that supply chain. And so we were really surprised by that as well. And when we took a look at the data, we said it's not that they're not concerned about the supply chain. What we believe is that the, the people who took our survey, they're saying, yes, the supply chain is absolutely important and absolutely critical. But we, from a cyber perspective, those of us on the cybersecurity side, we can't be the only ones concerned about securing the supply chain. Mm. It really is a collective uh, effort to, to, to secure that supply chain. So, of course, working with your third-party suppliers, working with other people within your organization, working cross-functionally, making sure that the IT team is aware of what's going on, the application development team is aware of what's going on, the line of business is aware, working with those external suppliers. And, you know, one of the things we heard through some of the subject matter expert interviews that we did specifically related to supply chain is people said, you know, we're going to start attaching a confidence score uh, to our mm. supply chain. So if we have the choice of maybe three suppliers, we're going to go to the supplier with the highest confidence score. And of course, a lot of that is going to be dependent upon their cybersecurity policies, their cybersecurity practices internally, how they manage their security. So security is part of that whole supply chain, securing the supply chain, but it's not one individual that's responsible for it. So it doesn't come down to one team. And I think when we looked at that data, as I said, we were very surprised, but that's how we interpreted that data. And some of those um, 
you know, that that surprise really yeah. of supply chain not being higher. Yeah. Well, yeah, because software supply chain, we see issues about that just about every day. And <clears throat> and now as the entire world is transitioning to a 5G, does does this enhance cybersecurity or or do the bad guys just have more threat vectors to exploit? <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting. You referred to Table 2, and I love referring to Table 2 because, as I said, that's my favorite piece of data in that entire yeah. report. So you bring up, we're going to edge compute underpinned by 5G technology, and what does that mean? So we know that the 5G network is inherently more secure than any previous generation of network. But what we also know is that you as a customer of that network, regardless of who your supplier is for that network, regardless of what carrier you're bringing that from, you as the customer of that 5G network, you have to be responsible for safeguarding your own digital assets. So safeguarding your applications, your data, your endpoints, and so on. And this brings us to the idea of a shared responsibility model. And in our 2021 AT&T Cybersecurity Insights Report, we spoke a lot about the shared responsibility model, saying that you, can, you as a customer of that network cannot expect that the network provider is going to provide you with application security, is going to provide you with endpoint security, is going to provide you with taking care of updating your operating systems and so on. So it comes down to that idea of shared responsibility. And I think that's something that we're used to seeing from cloud. We certainly have that shared responsibility model with cloud. Right. We have that same concept of the shared responsibility model with 5G, as well as everything that we are putting on that network. Well, I'll tell you, we're going so deep into this report. I'm going to have to, uh, I want to tell my, <laughs> my audience, the link to the report is right below here in the show notes, because you're going to have to, you're going to have to replay this to see, to pull out all the, of the gems. And I'm, I'm going to talk about one again, that table of figure nine. How, how should someone interpret figure nine where it looks and, and rates different cybersecurity controls by network? Yeah, so you bring up figure nine, and I would say figure nine and figure 10, when you read the report, mm -hmm. we looked at cybersecurity controls by network type, as well as cybersecurity controls by component type. And so this is the, and, and, and keep in mind, this report is really uh, about securing the edge. And 75% of the survey participants told us that they were on that journey to the edge, that they were either thinking about edge computing, they had fully implemented an edge solution, or they had partially implemented an edge solution. So these are people who are thinking down the path of edge. They're not, they're not just saying, well, you know, it's not for us. So these are people who are actively thinking about edge. And so from the network types and the cybersecurity controls, they told us that intrusion threat detection, certainly one of the top concerns by the different types of network types that we had listed. Um, mm -hmm. Device authentication, data leakage, really, really important. But when you take a look at the, the, two, the, two, the two charts in there, uh, figure nine and figure 10, you'll see that there's one piece of commonality and that piece of commonality between 
cybersecurity controls and network types and cybersecurity controls and components, that piece of commonality is really device authentication. And that can take us to a big discussion on zero trust, making sure and zero trust that concept of saying, that framework of saying that we trust nobody and we trust no thing because you brought up this idea of, you know, with 5G, we're going to have all these IoT devices attached. We have to verify everything. So we trust nothing. We trust no thing, including all those IoT devices. And we trust no person, even though it's Kevin coming from mycompanydomain.com. I don't really know that that is you. I have to verify that it's you. And I'm not just because, you know, you have uh, an email address coming from my domain name. I want to make sure we talked about this in terms of that traditional hub and spoke network. Mm-hmm. No longer being something that is 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 the way we're we're living, right? Because we're working in a hybrid world. We have remote workers, um, so making sure that we we don't trust anybody or anything, and we don't and we verify everybody and everything. And that that concept of zero trust, along with device authentication, is really critical. And regardless of where people are on their on their journey to the edge, bringing in a zero trust concept early on can only help you as you move forward. I'm going to pull on that string a little bit because the the shared responsibility model, I think, is really, really important. But in that model, the, the network provider is responsible for authenticating the device that's connecting, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the user is responsible for endpoint protection. I mean, uh, is, is there a, a gap there or how does the user's endpoint protection work and, and comply with a network's requirement to authenticate? Yeah, so that's that communication between that endpoint and the chosen network that you are using to actually run that device on. So there's a lot of connectivity there. There's a lot of, um, you know, as you said, that the network provider is going to be responsible for making sure that that is a legitimate device to connect to the network. But you as the the owner of that device, you have to make sure that you are securing that endpoint and protecting that device. Wow, this is is a very comprehensive uh, report. And it really sheds light on how different industry verticals are handling their security at the edge. Will you be doing any specific industry vertical reports? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm so happy that you brought that up. One of the pieces of data in the report shows that all of those six industries that we surveyed, they're really concerned about attacks. And mm-hmm. they also know that it would have a tremendous impact on their business. So we're going to be doing four industry vertical reports over the course of this year. We're starting with healthcare. So that healthcare vertical report launched on the AT&T website, February 22nd. In May, we're going to be coming out with a vertical report for U.S. public sector based on that data from the U.S. public sector that we collected. And then in the June timeframe, we're going to be coming out with a vertical report for manufacturing. And then in the September timeframe, we're going to be coming out with a report for energy and utilities. And all of these vertical reports, they're all based upon the data that we collected 
for this core AT&T cybersecurity insights report. Because as I mentioned at the beginning, we collect that data and we tabulate it and we have it broken out by different industry, by different geography and so on. So, um, and again, this is all vendor neutral. This is what healthcare organizations are thinking about as they move to the edge. How are they thinking about cybersecurity as they move to the edge? What are they thinking about in terms of their network architecture, their use cases, and so on? And we'll do that same thing for U.S. public sector, manufacturing, and energy and utilities. Oh, great. Oh, I tell you, thank you. Thank you for your time and perspective uh, today, Teresa. Unfortunately, our, our time has come to the end, but I want to get your commitment to come back and tell us more about those other industry vertical reports. But uh, I will definitely come back. Okay, great, great. So uh, how can the audience get a copy of the report? Uh, we're going to have the link uh, in, in below, uh, but how can they like reach out to you if they have more questions? Sure, I am on LinkedIn, Teresa, T-H-E-R-E-S-A, Lanowitz, L-A-N-O-W-I-T-Z. I'm on LinkedIn and I am on Twitter. I'm far more active on LinkedIn than I am on Twitter. I think Kevin can attest to that. Uh, so reach out to me on LinkedIn. I am happy to answer any questions. And then visit cybersecurity.att.com to, to download your copy of the report. And, you know, one of the things I, I really wanted to close with, Kevin, is cybersecurity for so long has been uh, perceived to be, it's a technical problem. Hmm. And what we saw with the pandemic, and we saw so many industries, and we saw this certainly with healthcare, where they had to very quickly spin up testing sites and so on. Every business really pivoted. And what we see now is that cybersecurity is really not a technical problem. It's a business enabler. And as you think about digital transformation, cybersecurity is at the core of every conversation about digital transformation. So take this report, this AT&T Cybersecurity Insights Report, it is vendor neutral. Take it back to your organizations. Think about the types of things that you're thinking about with Edge. Think about your network architectures, your use cases, and so on. And use it to spark those discussions internally. Yes, the cybersecurity is at the heart of digital transformation. So in closing, I would like to invite everyone to check out the wide variety of industry thought leadership that we provide at supplychainnow.com. And, and you can find Digital Transformers and Supply Chain Now wherever you get your podcasts. So be sure to subscribe. So on behalf of the entire team here at Supply Chain Now, this is Kevin L. Jackson wishing all of our listeners a bright and transformational future. We'll see you next time on Digital Transformers. Thank you for supporting Digital Transformers and for being a part of our global Supply Chain Now community. Please check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com. Make sure you subscribe to Digital Transformers anywhere you listen to or view the show and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Digital Transformers.